Living Intense Part 2. The title of my message today is this, Pack Up, because we are going camping. Pack up, because we are going camping. How many of you guys like camping in the wilderness? Come on, be honest. You like it? That's your bent? You like that? You know, I like the wilderness part, but I can go without the camping part. I can do without. I'm not a camper. Here's why. Because I never pack the right stuff. Come on, who's been there? Here's why I can't pack the right stuff. Because I don't have and I don't own the essential equipment for going camping. Who's just like that? Who's just like me? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, we're going to play a game this morning, all right? We're going to play a rapid fire game. Who's ready to play a game this morning? All right, we're going to find out what you guys think is essential or not essential. So I got this big backpack, and I want to put, I want you to put yourself in this scenario as if someone came to you and says, you have no idea where you're going, but you got this backpack, okay? And you need to fill it with things that you think are essential, Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to name off a bunch of this stuff up here, okay? And what you're going to do, you're going to respond with your own opinion, not the neighbor's opinion, your own opinion, if you think it's essential or non-essential. All right, let's try it. Let's try it to see if you are ready. Foam roller! Louder than that. Come on, this is supposed to be a game. Foam roller! All right, now, to some of you guys, most of you guys said non-essential. This is essential to me. I use this bad boy every single morning. No joke. Pastor Nate, at the gym, I'm rolling on this for 20 minutes before I work out. You guys ready? Here we go. Rapid fire, rapid fire. Hairbrush. Twinkies. Toothbrush. Mouthwash. Hairspray. Bug spray. Fishing pole. Toothpaste. <laughs> Toilet paper. Let's get interesting. Coconut oil. Oh, sleeping bag. Memory foam pillow. Oh, my goodness. Computer. Nintendo DSi. All right, we're about to get serious up in here. Mountain Dew. We're about to get really serious up in here. Diet Coke. Oh, Diet Coke people are crazy. How about this? Uh, what is this? Arnold Palmer iced tea. A raincoat. A raincoat. Vitamins. Ibuprofen, yeah. water, yeah. Tums, yeah. <laughs> apples to apples board game, a thermos. Yeah. All right, all right, give yourselves a round of applause. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> so, what did we learn about that game, essential or non essential? Here's what we learned we all have different opinions on what's essential and non-essential. Come on. And in all seriousness, if I actually tried to pack all that stuff into that backpack for the journey, here's the reality. That bag would get really heavy really quick. And that heavy bag would have a massive effect on my experience, on my journey. It actually might even prevent me from reaching the destination. Now, last week, Pastor Nate opened up our series, Living in Tents, and he gave us an overview of what the Israelites discovered on their exodus out of Egypt, on their time spent in the wilderness or the desert, and their, uh, they discovered on the journey towards the promised land. And I love how he opened up to Exodus chapter 2. Verses 23 through 25, and that's where we're going to begin. So get your Bibles out, 
Get your hard copy. Get your phone copy. Get it out because we are diving right in to the word of God. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 and 25. It says this, years passed and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. And God heard their growing and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 25, he looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Now, as I was preparing this week for this message, and I was reading through Exodus, and when I came across verse 25, I ain't going to lie, I got chills. I got chills. It did something inside of me. Listen to this. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. I was like, oh, boy, it's about to get real in Egypt. Uh huh. This Bible is about to go IMAX, high definition, theater on me, right? This, is, this book was about to get really exciting. If someone ever told you the Bible was boring, they lied to you. They lied to you, church. This is the most exciting, adventurous book that you can ever read. It actually says it's alive. This is alive, church. This is alive. And if someone told you that, they lied to you. Read your Bibles, church. Read your Bible. Now, today we're going to actually look at Exodus 13, a little further along in the journey. Okay, Exodus 13, verses 17 through 18. And let me bring you up to speed. The ten plagues have just all happened, and they're getting ready to bust out of Egypt. Verse 17 through 18 reads this. When Pharaoh finally let the people go. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Now before we move forward, here's a couple thoughts I want us to really consider in this great historical, biblical moment. First thought to consider. They, the people of God, God's people, including Moses, are just recently getting acquainted with meeting God. They're just getting acquainted. It's almost like a foster care situation. Like a foster care situation where, where this family says... <laughs> I'm burdened for these kids, and, and, and I want to take them in. I want them to become a part of the family. I want them to have a better life. I want my home to become their home. I want my home to be like the promised land. Now, that's the foster care's family's perspective, but think about the child. Maybe this is the child's perspective. I have never had anyone I could trust in my life. So why in the world should I trust you? You guys seem like really nice people, but I'm still a little terrified. I'm still a little terrified. I just want to say thank you to the foster care families all across the world in this church. Let's give a round of applause for our foster care family. That's what they do. 
Here's another thought to consider. Second thought. These Hebrew people, God's people, have probably never been camping in the wilderness before. Research tells us that they're from the ghettos of Egypt. They're from the hood, church. They are from the hood. They're urban people, not city, not, not country folk. Uh-huh. They probably have never pitched a tent before in their lives. Who in here has never pitched a tent? Uh-huh. City folk. City folk. I saw some hands over there. All right. I don't know if you've ever experienced city folk or city kids going camping for the first time. <laughs> when I was a kids pastor in Chicago, my first mission, the first time, uh, I, my first year, I said, we got to get these city kids out, out, in, the, out in the rural areas. They got to experience nature and the wilderness. And it, it was absolutely hilarious. Because they had never seen the stars so bright out in the wilderness, outside of the city. And they have never experienced darkness <laughs> like dark before. Come on, who's been out in the rural area? And that's another level of dark. Actually, uh, took our kids uh, out uh, over the 4th of July to Grandma and Grandpa's place. They bought out, and, and I said, hey, kids, want to see how dark it is out here? And we turned the car lights off inside and out, and they were like, ah, turn the lights on. Turn the light. Like, you couldn't even see your hand in front of you. It was terrifying. Uh-huh. Uh, city kids, they don't have the right equipment. They're like wearing Air Jordans out on the field, you know? <laughs> Seriously, it's a, they have the wrong clothing. How about this? They've never experienced camp food. What is this? We don't, this is food? We don't eat this? <laughs> Here's another thought to consider, okay? Here's another thought to consider. They have no idea where they're going in this moment. No idea. Plague number 10. Here we go, guys. Let's go. We are out. Plague number 10. Pack up. It's time to go. Where are we going? Somewhere you've never been before. You actually might remember it. It's called the promised land, but you've been in slavery for 430 years. Hmm. All that to say, church, these people sure have a lot going on in their world in this moment. Can we empathize with them just a little bit? They are about to encounter a massive journey. So here's my big idea. Here's my big thought for you and I this morning. Life is more about the journey than the destination, and God knows what's essential for the journey. Life is more about the journey than the destination, and God knows what's essential for the journey. Let's pray. Father, I pray, God, that we would be a people that trust you, not with part of our lives or half of our lives, but all of our lives, because you have us on a journey, and we need to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone say amen. amen. All right. All right. Here's the reality, church. You and I are on a three-part journey. Every one of us in this room, we are on a three-part journey. The first journey is this. You and I are on a personal journey. We are on a personal journey. Secondly, you and I are on a family journey. We have a genealogy, whether you like it or not. You and I have a genealogy. And we're actually adding on to that genealogy as we go and as we live. Now, the dynamics and makeup of your family genealogy may look totally different than mine. 
and I bet it looks totally different than the person sitting next to you, but you have a family, and you are on a journey. Now, some of you in here would say this, because of God's amazing grace, I am now rewriting or making a revised version of my family's journey. Come on, if that's you, can I get a good amen? Come on. If it weren't for God, if it weren't for God. Third part of the journey, third part of the journey, you and I are also on a church family journey. We are on the Emmanuel family journey, and I hope you're excited about that. I hope you're excited about that. I be, uh, began my Emmanuel family journey in 1998, almost 18 years ago. Who's just beginning the journey with the Emmanuel family? Come on. Who's been here? You've been here for a while. You've been here for a while. All right. We love you. We love you. All right. Back to the story. Back to the story. Back to the story. So Pharaoh finally gives up, and he says, Go. And God says, let's go. It's as if God is saying, let the journey begin. Kids, we're going camping. We're going camping. All right? In verse 17, all right, if you're following along, in verse 17, we will discover the first out of the three essentials for the journey. Verse 17. And it reads this, God did not lead them along the made road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. It was the shortest route, and we didn't take it. How many in here love shortcuts? Come on. You love shortcuts. You love the express lane. You love the left lane because you like getting places really fast. Come on. How many like, you're like Jimmy John's freaky fast. Come on. All right. Essential number one, you're not going to like this. There are no shortcuts on the journey with God. Absolutely no shortcuts. Here's why. Because in life, when you take shortcuts or you cut corners, it usually leads to greater problems in the end. How many know what I'm talking about? Pastor Mark Allen recently went to Gooseberry Falls, and he said, Pastor David, you got to see this. You got to see this. Here's a sign, actual sign at Gooseberry Falls. Shortcuts leave scars that take years to heal. Shortcuts leave scars that take years to heal. Come on, some of you guys are still healing. The wound is still real. Because you took a shortcut. You see, when we take shortcuts, we think we're, actually, we're think, we think we're taking five steps forward, and we're actually taking ten steps. Uh-huh. Taking ten steps back. You see, shortcuts, they end up getting us lost. Or wandering in circles. And fighting with each other instead of fighting the enemy. Come on. Who knows what I'm talking about? Hmm. Now, if we keep looking at Exodus 13, verse 17, it actually explains why God did not want them to take the shortcut. Let's look at the rest of verse 17. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, God said this, if the people are faced with the battle, they might change their minds and return back to Egypt. You see, God purposefully avoids this shortcut. Why? Because it was too fast and too soon to get in a fight. 
They weren't ready for a fight. You know why? Because this fight might ruin them. It might break their spirit forever, and they'll turn back. Here's a good example. Right, football season's coming up. Who guys, who's ready for football season? I am, all right? All right. And here's what's going to happen. I guarantee you, it happens every year. Someone drafts a, a, a quarterback, and there's a rookie quarterback, and they start him too soon. And his whole first season, he's getting hit, and he's getting annihilated, and he's getting blitzed on. He's getting slobber knocked, and it ruins him forever because he's now in fear for the rest of his career because he's get used to getting hit. And now he can't do what he was created best to do, to throw the ball and read the defense because he's scared of getting hit. Too fast, too soon. Can I talk to the seasoned saints for a little bit? Seasoned Emmanuel family here. Let me talk to you for a second, all right? We must be mindful of new believers and people that are away from God, that are curious and seeking faith in Christ. It's so easy for us to forget what it was like back then. And we can't. You see, sometimes here's what we do. Sometimes we put unrealistic expectations on them that God's not even putting on them. True? Or we want to get so deep and theological right away with them too soon. We start using big Christian lingo and Christianese language, and we start saying stuff like this. You know that verse. You remember that Bible verse and or that Bible story, and they're like, no, I don't. Too fast, too soon. And here's what's in the result many times. They end up feeling discouraged. And Christianity feels unattainable. So many times they give up, they pack up, and they go back to Egypt. They go back to their old ways. Come on, who's ever seen that happen before? Hmm. We also see it we see, when we see gifted and talented people, and we, if we fast-track them into leadership too fast, it ends up biting us in the end, and it severely wounds them because they weren't properly trained and ready for the battles of being a leader. Church, there are no shortcuts in leadership or promotion with God. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Now, can I talk to the newer believer? Can I talk to the young people to my right? Just for a second. You see, when we as leaders here, as pastoral staff or uh, lay leaders, when we see someone that wants a title or position so quickly without serving faithfully over time, red flag, red flag, because there's no shortcuts in, in getting promotion with God. Trust me, it's for your own good and our own good and everyone else's own good. I got a story. 1998, I walked through that, those doors and started coming to JC's place when Pastor Nate was the, was the youth pastor. And my attendance was inconsistent because I was in a season of playing sports. And I remember I started coming off and on, and I remember it was right around this area down here. I came to him right after service, okay? And I said, I'm ready. I want to all, I want to jump right in. I want a part of everything that's going on here. This is amazing. Okay, and he said, that sounds wonderful. And he humbled me. You know what he said? Well, why don't you start coming regularly and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Ow. I said, yeah, that's probably a good idea. 
and I've been coming regularly for 17 years, and that's how I got to where I am today. It was no shortcut, church. Come on, you know it in the business world. New people, young people, they try to take shortcuts. There are no shortcuts in promotion. Can I get a good amen? amen? Matthew 25, 23 says this. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Got to slow your roll. All right, let me finish the first essential with this. Matthew twenty-two fourteen, For many are called, but few are chosen. We are all called by God to be on this journey with him, but few are worthy to be chosen to actually accomplish it. Here's why. Because some of us want the quick, easy, convenient, safe, and comfortable shortcut route. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Come on. Come on. We want the shortcut. There's no shortcuts. Now we find essential number two in Exodus 13, verse 18. Verse 18 reads this. So God led them. Who led them? So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the, rest, the Red Sea. Church, we are supposed to avoid shortcuts on the journey, but essential number two, avoiding the wilderness or desert is not an option. Avoiding the wilderness or desert is not an option. It wasn't an option for the Israelites, and it sure is not an option for us. We can't avoid the wilderness because in the wilderness, God reveals himself to us in ways we could never imagine. In the wilderness, that's where he does it. Because God led the Israelites through the wilderness, they experienced the parting of the Red Sea. I wouldn't want to miss that. I actually want to go back when I'm in heaven. Can you rewind that? Can I be right there and see how that all happened? Because they went through the wilderness, they got to experience following God by a pillar of smoke in the day and a pillar of fire by night. That's amazing. Manna from heaven every single morning in the wilderness, quail, because they wanted meat in the wilderness. Church, he wants to blow our minds. He wants to show us that he is the almighty God. That happens in the wilderness. If there isn't a wilderness, a desert, or a valley filled with trials, how can we truly appreciate the experience of the promised land or the mountain top? Huh. If there isn't a wilderness or desert or valley filled with trials, how can we truly appreciate the promised land and the mountain top? Jesus said in John 16, 33, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Church, 
church, our trials are Jesus' opportunity to show us that he has overcome the world. He's on our side. He wants to help us. We can't avoid the wilderness because in the wilderness, God teaches us something. Teaches us how to fight. Teaches us how to fight. Some of you guys didn't know this before you came to church this morning. You were born to be a fighter. You were born to be a fighter. You see, in the wilderness, God teaches us how to boom, punch. Teaches us how to punch. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. We were made and built to fight. Here's another thing we learn, and the wilderness teaches us. Not only do we learn how to punch, but we learn how to take punches. Oh, everybody wants to be a boxer until they get punched. Everyone thinks, I, I, I can go in the octagon. I'll, I'll go right in that octagon. Boom, they get kicked for the first time. You know what? Let me get a second thought about that. You know what? Let's leave it to the professionals. Come on. We learn how to take punches. But best of all, we learn how to get back up after we get knocked down. Come on, church. Some of you in here, you keep getting back up and you keep fighting. And if you keep fighting, you know what happens? Devil leaves you alone, right? You guys know the scriptures. Yep. If you keep resisting him, he will flee. Come on. We're fighters, church. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, the godly man trips or falls seven times, but they will get back up again. Come on, church. Get back up. Now, Exodus 13 cracks me up because God knew they weren't ready to fight in chapter 13 because he hadn't trained them yet. It was too early. They hadn't been through the world of this yet. But by the time they get to Exodus chapter 17, and I don't have time to stop there very long. You should read it. Exodus 17, it's their first fight. And God's like, they're ready. I trained them. I trained them. Here goes. And if you don't remember that battle, it's the battle against the Amalekites. And when Joseph, uh, Moses sends Joshua, get the men, go to battle. And here's what they discover in the battle. When Moses has his staff up and Moses has his hands up, the Israelites prevail in battle. But when Moses gets tired and his arms start falling, Israelites start getting their butt kicked. <laughs> They start taking punches. And then they get smart because they've been trained. They said, let's get a stone so Moses can sit on. Aaron, her, let's hold Moses' hand up. And they hold his arms up until victory. Come on, church. Their first win. That was their first win. It's awesome to win your first fight. Come on. Who's ever been in a fight before? Let's be real. Come on. Now, okay, the wilderness and desert is good for us. It's good for us and always will be a part of the journey. But church, we were never meant to stay there. We were never meant to stay there. 
You didn't just go through training in the wilderness to not fight, to sit on the sideline. You see, the only reason the Israelites made a 10 to, a four, uh, they made it a 10 to 40 day journey turn into 40 years because they were unwilling to let go of some things. 10 to 40 days to make it to the promised land. 40 years because they were unwilling to let go of some things. I believe Pastor Nate said it best. It was more about getting Egypt out of them than them out of Egypt. I'll say it again. It was more about getting Egypt out of them instead of getting them out of Egypt. The last and third essential is this. To make the journey, you must get rid of un necessary baggage to make the journey we must get rid of unnecessary baggage who in here loves moving or relocating come on you just like adventure like i'm ready let's go new home new place all right i'm there who in here loves the process of moving and relocating packing Boxing up things, loading, driving, unloading, unpacking, reorganizing. Who loves that? If you do, you need to come up to prayer right now. We're going to lay hands on you. <laughs> I'm going to dump that whole vat of Every vat, we're going to open up. The, you need help. All right, that's crazy. That's, that's not the fun part, right? <laughs> now, something happens to everybody when we're put in that situation where we're moving. It doesn't matter. If you are a family of five or six in a four or five bedroom house, it doesn't matter if you're a single adult on your own in a one or two bedroom apartment. It doesn't matter if you are a young millennial college age student leaving your dorm onto the next best thing, an apartment or another dorm with better roommates. I don't know. Okay. We, are, we all ask ourselves this very same question in that process. How in the world did I get all this stuff? How did it even fit in my living space? Come on, who's been there? How in the world did we accumulate all this? Now, there are two possible outcomes to this scenario. There's two possible outcomes. Here's scenario one. Here's the, possible, uh, here's the first outcome. You start deciding, hmm, what's essential? What's not essential for the journey to my new place? You start giving it away or you start throwing it away. And if you're like me, you, you like sentimental value to everything. You need some good friends around you. My spouse is that good friend. You're like, throw that away, David, you don't need that. You'll never fit in those jeans ever again, you know. <laughs> You'll never lose that fifth lamp that we have. It's been sitting in the garage for 15 years, but you think you're gonna, come on, come on. Or you got good people that say, I'll take that. That's awesome. You don't need that for the journey. Give me that. I'll take that couch. <laughs> Come on. You, re you realize what's not essential. You let it go. Here's another outcome. Here's another outcome. You could be unwilling to let go of your stuff. And you decide not to make the journey to your new home. You can't let go and you don't make the journey. That sounds absolutely ridiculous, doesn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. But that's exactly what happened 
to the first generation of Israelites that God delivered out of Egypt. Church, remember I said we are all on a three-part journey? We're on a personal journey. We're on our family journey that involves our genealogy. We are on a church journey as a family of Emmanuel. And maybe you don't realize it or not, but all those parts, the three-part journey, they are all interwoven together and they have massive effects to one another. If you don't believe me, I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. Because of the Israelites' unwillingness to get rid of unnecessary baggage, they did not make it to the promised land. Not even Moses. Because of their unwillingness to get rid of unnecessary baggage, they did not get to experience God's best for them. It gets worse, church. Because of their unwillingness to get rid of unnecessary baggage, they prevented their families, their kids, their grandkids from experiencing the promised land sooner. And last but not least, because of their unwillingness to get rid of unnecessary baggage, they prevented a whole entire nation from experiencing God's promised land. Church, life is more about the journey than the destination. And God knows what's essential for that journey. As we prepare to sing this song, I want you to take thought of the three-part journey, your personal journey, your family journey, the Emmanuel family journey. I want you to think about these three things. Is there any part of that journey you're trying to take shortcuts? You're going to pay later? Is there any part of that journey where you're avoiding the wilderness or, or in the, you're in the wilderness, but you're not trusting God to supply the essentials in the wilderness? Or are you hanging on to baggage? And God is saying, let go. Would you stand with me?